time for our GMS focus topic of the day. The BRICS countries, that is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, are often seen as a counterweight to the Western-led world. Now, recently, leaders of the BRICS group decided to invite six more countries to join their alliance. They say they are seeking to establish a stronger coalition of developing nations who can prioritize the global South's agenda. But how far do these countries go as far as common interests shared? For further insights, we're now joined by Professor Kim Byung-joo of the Hanguk University of Foreign Studies. Good morning, Professor Kim. Good morning. Can we start off first with the facts? We heard last week that BRICS added new members. They were conflicting reports getting to that point, making the picture confusing in the lead up to the decision to add six more countries. So what would be the best way to understand what happened? Right. As you mentioned, throughout last week, there were conflicting reports, BRICS expanding or not. And even uh, at the very last moment, I get. Thursday, day before we were hearing uh, BRICS, BRICS is not going to expand, but they did. Finally, at the end, they did. Mm. Five plus six, as you mentioned, uh, is what is happening now. Five, as you mentioned, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, existing BRICS members. And then six more this time at this BRICS uh, summit in South Africa announcing six more countries joining. They are Saudi Arabia, Iran, uh, United Arab Emirates, and Argentina, mm. uh, Egypt, and Ethiopia. So those six countries are being added. Mm. And they are saying that this action will enter force January 1st next year. Mm. So it, it was a big news indeed last week uh, because of the uncertainty, because of the back and forth, and also because of the fact that you know, uh, BRICS finally, after a long period of uh, world watching whether BRICS actually makes any difference or not, uh, finally they're adding new members, meaning that they seem to be regaining their prominence, if not importance yet, uh, prominence within the world stage of these particular countries. I mean, as we think about this, the leading countries are China and Russia here, Mm -hmm. and then India is joining uh, China, Russia together in the BRICS. That has been their operation. And then another major one, Brazil and and South Africa. Uh, Not necessarily in terms of values and principles, Mm. uh, strong countries, but in terms of uh, size and brute force, very important countries indeed. So those of us who are watching world affairs, this is a major, major development, and especially uh, those countries, South, South, Saudi Arabia, Iran, mm. uh, and uh, Egypt, Ethiopia, and these countries joining here. That means there's a force being formed on the other side. Mm. And in that sense, this is a very, very major, uh, important development, particularly because, you know, China, Russia, leading the, the world affairs in the way that a lot of us on this side do not necessarily like uh, mm. human rights, political freedom, and uh, you know, the, the sovereignty of the states like Ukraine and so on being violated and so on. But these countries leading the expansion of their force mm. 
It's something that we are all watching with particular keen interest, I say. And some of the new members, maybe notably Saudi Arabia and Iran, have a history of troubled relations. And Mm -hmm. some pundits chime in. It might imply little prospect for coherent action. It doesn't mean that China, Russia, Brazil, India and South Africa, the original members, see necessarily eye to eye with those countries. But it certainly poses a threat to the United States because Iran Mm -hmm. is certainly not as isolated as U.S. would want them to be. Right, exactly, exactly. So, uh, you know, we saw Saudi Arabia and uh, Iran uh, kind of approaching with it uh, to each other uh, mm-hmm. with the support of China and Russia in recent months. And this is one of the summation of the such a movement. And it's in that sense, in the Middle East, of course, Saudi Arabia-Iran relationship has been a major force uh, setting the, the, the scene of the world affairs. So, this is a new step we are seeing. Hmm. And uh, in, in, in talking about it, we have to talk about the, the history of BRICS because, uh. you know, what, what, what difference does BRICS make in terms of these kind of changes in Middle East and, and you know, uh, China and Russia working together? As we look back, uh, I guess the starting point of the idea of BRICS was 2001-ish mm. when it was a Goldman Sachs economist who actually mentioned Mm-hmm. Uh, wrote in a report saying that uh, Brazil, Russia, India, and China are the... I don't think South Africa was added there. It was four countries, mm-hmm. uh, BRIC mm-hmm. countries, and, and the economists were saying that these four countries will collectively dominate the world economy by 2050 and 2050. Uh, that report came out in 2001, and uh, the name BRIC became... Uh, famous. Uh, it gained world recognition. Mm-hmm. And what came after that was a 2008 world financial crisis. And uh, that's the time when we came to question the overall existing order in the world in economic and financial order. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, in, in dealing with the situation, U.S. President Obama at that time called upon you know, gathering of G20. Uh, G7 is not enough. Mm. Uh, you know, the traditional leaders of the world economy, G7 is not enough. We're going to expand our community and uh, bring in big power players. And in, in doing so, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, they were all brought into mm. G20. So it looked like uh, we had a big community world, unified community emerging in response to 2008 financial crisis. But however, soon enough, uh, I guess... Uh, I guess the, the following year, 2009, mm. these four countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, acted together to form BRIC. Mm. Uh, uh, kind of not exactly alliance, but a group. And mm. then the next year, 2010, South Africa joined, so it became BRICS. Mm. So uh, from 2010 and until now, 2023, we there were a lot of questions. You know, does BRICS matter? Does BRICS really matter? You know, how important are they? Mm. Of course, you know when they were formed, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. You know, you may remember there was oil boom, mm. and Russia had a lot of money, and China was was growing really fast, mm. and India was rising fast. So, uh, thirteen years ago, BRICS was really fancy, dynamic, mm. uh, you know, exciting force, but. Uh, since then, there have been many questions being raised, but now with the expansion of BRICS, now world is coming back to see and pay attention, 
the the importance of uh, BRICS perhaps again uh, it's being questioned. The thing is, the idea of BRICS is still significant enough for apparently more than 40 countries had expressed interest to joining the alliance. 23 formally applied. And as you've said, six have officially been invited to join uh, starting next year. So all of this raises questions of would a bigger size with BRICS mean a stronger counterforce against the U.S., the EU and its allies? Or are there any drawbacks expected as a result? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, the more members, the better. A lot of people will say just the mm. sheer question of greater weight. If you have greater mass, greater mass means greater force. Simple physics uh, uh, rule here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but room for greater disagreements. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's what uh, we we have to pay attention to. Uh, Larger numbers means greater disagreements. We learn from the actual practical lessons, for example, in the case of United Nations General Assembly. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it was, United Nations was created in 1940s, 50s, uh, and even, you know, like when Korean War broke out, United Nations acted together as a one uh, fighting against the, the North Korean invasion, and it was very, uh, you know, effective force, as many as 16 countries sent their troops and have their young men killed in in South Korea in in on Korean Peninsula to fight against communism. So that means there was a really united force in 1950s. But since then, what we have seen 60s, 70s, mm. uh, more countries joined, and the number of uh, United Nations membership grew. And as you exactly said, uh, greater disagreement. The United Nations could not act together as one when we had. Great, uh, you know, like uh, atrocities in Africa and, mm. and and Serbia. The United Nations could not really counter anything, and so there is that what the experts call large end problem. If you have yeah. many members, the group becomes ineffective. So we know that for sure. And WTO, when WTO GATT was growing, and then WTO was formed and then expanding. Now, a lot of people say WTO is is. Uh, not effective as a body to liberalize, uh, uh, you know, the markets and so on. So we have had the clear lessons that bigger number of countries doesn't necessarily mean mm. uh, effect, uh, effective collective action. But I guess, you know, China, Russia and those countries still count on the weight, the mass yeah. and then the greater force. So as you mentioned, as many as about 40 something countries have expressed uh, interest in joining uh, the BRICS. I, I guess, by the way, they, are, they made it kind of clear that they're going to change the name. Mm. Even many countries joined, they'll just keep the name BRICS. Uh, so <laughs> that's kind of interesting. And at the same time, probably it reflects the willingness of China and Russia, for instance, and India to keep their dominance over mm. this expanding group. They want to make sure that they're leading the group. I think that's my interpretation here. But Mm-mm. anyway, uh, so many countries means ineffective. But then again, with China and Russia and in, in India wanting to dominate the group, we'll have to wait and see how uh, mass, uh, greater mass means, does it mean greater disunity? Uh. Uh, or with the greater strong will, you know, stronger will to dominate by a few leading forces, will they be, be able to manage it better? It will remain a big question to watch going forward. 
So India and Brazil opposing membership expansion, uh, but it was eventually overturned. So can we ask, how was it overturned? And what were some of the important reasons raised for the opposition? We are mindful that India, for example, is a member of Quad. What that means is this country is kind of working together to balance against China hmm. in uh, Asia-Pacific region. Quad meaning United States, India, and Australia and Japan working together. Uh, so India is not fully with China, and, and that's an understatement. We, we know <laughs> India and China are not like a great, greatest among friends. So uh, they don't necessarily, uh, India has interesting relationship with Russia, by the way, because of their, their relationship with China, they are closer with Russia. But the thing is, India still sees its future with the, I would say, uh, with the Western world, I suppose, mm. as, as a possible replacement of China, uh, mm. next to China, you know, the world's market and then uh, world's production base and so on. India has aspiration in Western, uh, West-led uh, global community. So they don't seem to be ready to give that up Mm. And they don't want to commit themselves to formation of this alliance, seemingly, possibly against the West. Uh, you know, these countries that are run <clears throat> under the system of non-democracies or quasi-democracies, mm. uh, countries uh, where we see uh, human rights violations and undemocratic process and oppression and so on. India may not be totally determined to join that pact. Hmm. Uh, even though under Modi, there are a lot of questions about how uh, Modi government treats minority and all mm -hmm. that. But still, you know, when you ask, ask Indians, right, what do Indians say? They say, we are the largest democracy in the world. Right. So they, they still have that, that pride. So because of that, India and Brazil kind of, uh, Brazil also is, is kind of in the, in, the, in the middle. It's, they're not really fully committed. So we heard the reports mm -hmm. that India and Brazil resisted the idea of uh, forming this great alliance against the West. And, and so that's why we saw the uncertainty, even towards the very end, as I mentioned, uh, the world wasn't sure whether we would see expansion this time. But they say the fact that we saw the expansion finally agreed means there, there is a China power. China worked very, very hard even to the last minute. Mm. Uh, the BRICS countries had to cancel their press conference in order to reach an agreement. They were really tight on schedule. They didn't have an agreement until the very last minute. They didn't have time for press, uh, you know, press meeting. And so they negotiated until the end. And then they, at the end, in the very final hour, they announced the the expansion of BRICS. So mm -hmm. we are now understand the road to the final announcement was just not an easy one at all. Uh, Dr. Kim, so bringing things back home, uh, the expansion of BRICS, what does this altogether mean for South Korea? Uh, that's a challenging question, but at the same time, very important question indeed, because uh, as we talk about BRICS and its expansion, we are talking about the the world order and overall mm -hmm. global governance. Mm -hmm. Basically, the reason why we saw the rise of uh, BRICS and then the reason why we see the expansion of BRICS is because there's a force against the West-led globalization and the, and the world order. 
for instance, you know, uh, these countries that uh, announced this joint uh, joint announcement in South Africa this time, they're saying that they want to see form, uh, reform of uh, P5 at the United Nations. P5 means the permanent five member system of the Security Council, mm-hmm. uh, which is a leadership group that kind of basically runs the United Nations. They want to see the change to that. Mm-hmm. As we know, P5 means United States, uh, the Great Britain, uh, and France, together with China and Russia. And when they uh, say they, they want to see the reform, that means you know United States and uh, the Great Britain and uh, France mm-hmm. uh, occupying three out of five seats means still there's a Western dominance and they want to see mm. a change to that. Mm. And they also say they want to say a change to G7, uh, United States, Japan, uh, U, uh, Great Britain, UK, uh, France, uh, Germany, Italy, and Canada. Uh, they, they want to see the change. And that's why they created uh, BRICS, uh, mm. you know, 2008, uh, 2009, but, uh, you know, they want to bring in change. So uh, this is, a group of countries that want to see a change to the status, status quo. And what that means is where does Korea stand on this? Mm. And so, of course, I think our stance is very clear, especially the government has made right. it uh, clear many times, right? Uh, when, when it said values matter, uh, mm. human rights, uh, liberty, freedom, mm. uh, democracy. Uh, so I think South uh, Korean government has made it clear where we stand. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that we want to be uh, totally against or kind of like being on the, definitely on the other side right. against this country. So, so on the surface, we want to maintain a fine relationship with these countries, mm. while inside we want to make it very clear that where we stand in terms of what we value the most, mm. uh, those values that I just mentioned. So I guess that kind of dualistic approach matters mm. in the world in the world of diplomacy and national survival. And so I guess that's the basic approach, I hope, and a lot of uh, experts would like to hope to see <laughs> South Korea to pursue going forward, I guess. And Dr. Kim, just in your careful wording to this last question, I think highlights the delicacy of the dualistic Uh, approach in diplomacy. It is uh, really unique to this circle, but we appreciate your insights as always. Thank you very much. (laughs) We'll speak to you again next week. Will do. Thanks. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.